Welcome to the Carmesh Rebels podcast. I'm Jenny Field. I'm Advita Patel. And I'm Trudy Lewis. Today, I would like us to talk about culture, our favourite subject. Um, And the reason I want us us to talk about culture, because I've been thinking quite a lot about culture and the changes in culture that we've seen in the recent times, especially since the pandemic and the shift. And I know there's been lots of debates online and on blogs about who is responsible for culture. There's an alleged statement by Peter Drucker that says culture eats strategy for breakfast. And there's all sorts around that. But what I, it was a question I asked Jenny actually on a on coming here in in the studio about where does culture actually sit? Because in organizations that I've worked in the responsibility of culture is often given to the HR team mm-hmm. and they are often the leads in this. So it's on their kind of action plan or, or objective sheets and all that kind of stuff. And the conversations I often have with HR directors is about how can they define the culture in the organisation and when they go into these leadership meetings, I talk about it quite a lot. And i am always been on the kind of, does it actually sit with HR? Is it a role that HR should be responsible for? And I love my HR friends dearly. I am saying this a lot. And some of my best friends are HR directors. But the conversations I have with people in organisations have a very tense relationship with HR as a collective. Mm -hmm. And I often think that if they are responsible for driving the agenda on culture... Is that the right place where it should be when there's such tension sometimes in organisations with HR across the board mm-hmm. in terms of they don't really care about us? These are the kind of conversations I've had. I'm speaking from the conversations I've had with other organisations when say people say they don't care about us. It's very transactional. And I know this isn't to a particular person or identity. It's more about the function of mm-hmm. HR. And I don't think it's been clearly as defined. And there may be other people listening today going, no, actually, it doesn't sit with HR in, mm-hmm. in our place. It's leadership driven. But I know there's people in our industry who don't believe that, who don't believe that culture is driven by leaders. It's actually something that is just exists, which is, let's another episode of a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but I've been reading a lot of stuff around culture because it's something that I am, we're bringing into the, you know, the, the book. <laughs> the book. The book. Um, and Ed Kashine is, is, I would say, the culture guru expert and he talks about the different levels of cultures in organizations from the symbolic nature you know the symbols that we see around us so things like the uniform that we wear and those ping pong tables and fruit in the kitchen that kind of stuff uh, down to the values and the beliefs that we have and then the basic assumptions so the un- so it's that traditional 1990s iceberg if we all remember <laughs> that <laughs> <laughs> you see, you know what I mean. You don't have to yeah, refer to it. Don't I you? remember that. Like, like what can is visible, and then underneath the under the ocean is all those kind of hidden beliefs and stuff and basic assumptions, which I kind of agree with. That's true, but it's about who who is responsible for this. How do we drive this? I thought we'd have a a chat about this because I know there's been the research we did in CIPR a while ago. Mm-hmm. The CEOs responded that they believed culture sat within communications. They did. So I'm going to lead to you, Jenny, because I that you were... <laughs> I was involved in that. Involved research. in that. So it'll be really interesting to hear that insight. So that was the research that we did to understand a bit more about the value and impact, which we did together, didn't we, Trudy? That's right, yeah. Um, so we'll share a link to that because it was quite interesting. And I remember presenting those results at the CIPR Inside Conference. And there were quite a few gasps about the fact that it didn't sit with HR or the perception was it didn't sit with HR. I think it's a really interesting 
question. And I think when we were talking about it the other day, what was interesting to me was that there's a natural assumption that it sits with HR because Mm -hmm. there is this natural belief that culture is about people. And actually, when you're looking at culture, which I spend a lot of time doing in organizations that are chaotic and trying to help them move to a place of calm, when I'm looking at what's causing that chaos, culture is always a factor in that. But culture isn't just people. Culture is your processes. It's the rhythm of the organization. It's the behaviors of people. You know, it is about the people processes, but it is about how the organization operates. It's also about the communication and the channels. And I always talk about the fact that communication is the tangible representation of culture. I talk about that in my book about um, influential internal communication. And that's really important because how you communicate as an organization is a representation of your culture. If your culture is wanting to be innovative and you're not using channels that would represent that, then there's a bit of a disconnect. I have got some thoughts about where I think culture should sit, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not going to share them just yet because I think there's it's kind of relooking at how an organization is designed and how different functions support other functions and how it works together. But I've recently read The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle, which I listened to and then had to buy, which is very often the case for me because <laughs> I have to get my highlighter out. <laughs> but it's a really great book and it in it, it talks about what makes a culture successful. And I just want to share a little bit from it because I think it's really important to ground ourselves in what what is a good culture because I think that's what often we get Mm -hmm. lost in is we want to have a great culture but cultures are different for everybody and what I think is great you might think is toxic and that's really important as well but in this book it just has a little section where it says one misconception about highly successful cultures is that they are happy light-hearted places (laughs) we're already (laughs) chuckling Um, this is mostly not the case They are energized and engaged, but at their core, their members are oriented less around achieving happiness than around solving hard problems together. Mm -hmm. And I loved that because it really cemented to me the misconception we have around culture, that actually if you've got a great culture, everybody is, you know, having a jolly lovely time (laughs) (laughs) when actually you are a business and you are an organization. And we've talked about this this season already about the fact that you are a business and you're there to make a profit or whatever it is. So I just want to bring that into the conversation that it's about solving hard problems together and and being energized and engaged in doing that. Hmm. I love that. Yeah, culture. I... I, (laughs) Again, having having worked with a few organisations where, you know, it hasn't been front of se- front and centre, and where it's become a project, you know, let's, yeah. <laughs> you know, let's 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 put a working group together. <laughs> no, and that's serious. Or you know, being told that it just means the environment. So you know, let's have um, puffy chairs and colour and pool tables and stuff like that. Yeah, so. There, I think there's a real mix-up of what culture is within an organisation to start with. Um, I too would agree that it's perhaps misplaced. You can't put it with one uh, group. And I think there's something for me about it being elevated to an area that's that's going to be less influenced by the agenda or priorities of these individual departments. So if you think about um, HR, 
okay, let me pick a random one, finance, um, which you would never sit in. But um, if you think about finance, if you put something with finance, it's just going to be within the parameters of finance and the agenda or the focus is going to be just around that. Um, so it's culture as it looks within finance. I think the danger or the problem is that many times they put it within a department which has a lot of other agendas and another a lot of other priorities that actually then can't look at it in the holistic way mm. that it needs to be looked at. So if you think about culture, for me, culture needs to touch health and safety, how you do your well-being, how you do your environment, uh, the operations side, and some of the things that you mentioned already, Advita. So it's it you know it's so wide that you do it a disservice if you put it with a department or if you turn it into a project um, or if it's just a working group, you mm-hmm. know. So I think that's that for me is where I would start mm-hmm. this conversation. <laughs> no, I think you're right, and that's the and, and I love that from um, the culture code book about. And you know, I've got a problem with happiness. Thing. Yes, not a problem with yeah. happiness. I, think. <laughs> <laughs> I want everyone to be happy, but I meant in when we use that as a driving factor in organisations. Mm-hmm. That yeah. what is the end goal? I just want people to be happy here, and that is not going to deliver results, in my opinion. Like you can be really happy and not do the work, and I love the fact <laughs> that. I'm just having such a good time. It's just a brilliant time. And, you know, I I do think we are moving away a little bit from that, but there is still this concept of, I just want people to be happy at work. And to your point, is that the culture that we really want? And is that a culture of a successful business? Because Mm -hmm. evidently not by the studies and the research that, that that book has demonstrated. And I want us to kind of think about... Where, where, how do we start having these very honest conversations about culture? Mm. And, and I mean honest conversations, not just kind of on the superficial side of culture, you know. And you're right, it's, it is obviously, you said that it's not always people, but it is people driven, right? And to, yes, yeah, yeah organisations are people. And yeah. I'll always say yeah. that because yeah. without people, it doesn't, exist. it doesn't exist. But if it was to just sit within the HR function, yeah then you're just focusing on one aspect of culture, whereas it permeates much more across an organisation. Much deeper. And there's also consideration taken in silo cultures Mm -hmm. across the place, Mm. because there's a multitude of cultures that make a culture, right? And that's what we say, oh, we've always done it this way, and that kind of behaviour. So I suppose the the next question is, where does it sit? Who, Who is responsible for How do we make it into this really honest conversation that isn't a working group and isn't a project and now it's part of everyday life in this organization Mm -hmm. so I I equally don't like the working group and when I've worked with clients in the past where they'll say oh this is our this is our culture club and these are the people that are responsible for our culture and I'm like well we need to close that immediately (laughs) because that's not (laughs) going to work um but for me I actually think it would be better if culture sat within or with a strategy function. So you'd have a strategy and culture function that would be looking at the strategy for the organization and then the culture that's needed to deliver that strategy, but it's done in one function together. So you don't get the siloing in different places. Mm. And then alongside that, you have HR, operations, finance, marketing, whatever it might be, which have processes and things that support the culture and the strategy, which are all designed to drive the organization forward. That's what I think. I have to say, in in my thinking about this, I can't honestly think of any organisation that's got that hmm. set up. So if you do have that, I'd really love to to hear from you and find out if that really does work because I'm just, you know, thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just making. I'm up. just thinking and talking because that that it just makes the most sense to me in terms of where it sits. I don't 
I don't support the notion that culture isn't led from the top. And in all the work I've done, certainly around my development to be certified as a company director, when you're looking at strategy, you're looking at the role of the board, you're looking at leadership, culture is set from the top. Mm-hmm. And there's a, another good book that I've read called The Fish Rots from the Head. Mm-hmm. And that was recommended to me on that course. And it, it really cements the fact that culture really is set from the top. And in all the work all of us do with all of our clients, mm-hmm. with any leadership team, if they aren't aligned, if there's dysfunction there, all of that leaks through mm. into a into a chaotic culture yeah. in my yeah. world. So I think there is a need to, and, and when I say it should be strategy and culture together, and then you've got the other functions supporting and enabling the delivery of that, that's not to say that the people that are doing strategy and culture as a function are sat in a dark room mm. deciding, <laughs> you know, that that isn't the answer. There does have to be inclusion and discussion and, and, and all of those different aspects that we would always advocate for. But the ownership of it has to be at that senior level Because if the culture isn't set from the top and it isn't demonstrated by people that are leading the organization, then it will fall apart. Because if it's not aligned at the top, it's not going to be aligned all the way through the organization. And that's really important. So for me, that's where it sits. It's a culture and strategy function that's at the senior level. And then you've got all of the other functions that are helping to create processes and things to to enable and demonstrate and, and help the organization thrive. Yeah. For me, that feels right in that um, it, it's it's in a in a sense high enough position or close enough to the most senior people in the organisation for it to then affect the whole organisation. And I think that for me is always going to be central to where culture needs to operate. It needs to obviously. I think there's a lot of effort that needs to be made to make sure it's very inclusive and that you've gone all the way down to the bottom of the organisation and back up because again ultimately culture to to drive the culture to keep the culture going it's everybody's responsibility so if the rest of the organization don't understand what you're doing way up the top then you know you don't really have a good culture and you'll have that silo so many people go off and say you know we don't actually see the direction from the top so i'm going to create my own little culture within my own department or within my own group of people that i deal with it being with strategy and culture as an org- as a department, in a sense, um, for me, puts them in a position to, to have the oversight of the whole organization mm. and be able to orchestrate things a little bit more, a little bit better. Plus, um, from that type of position, it sounds like we're making a real argument for strategy and culture. <laughs> but, um, but from that perspective, you're in the position to be a little bit more neutral as well because mm-hmm. you've been closest to developing the company story, the company, the narrative. Uh, you've been closest to developing things like the values, the mission, the, va- the, the vision. Um, you're also closest to things like the priorities mm-hmm. um, and the things that are really important for the organization. So I think that's, it's really a good place to put, put it. You know, they'd probably argue and say that's too much work for us. But at the end of the day, they may not be creative and they may see developing culture as a creative thing. But... I really do think that um, it would be better for it to be placed in somewhere like that. Do, do you think culture is a core part of a role? Is it? Do, let me rephrase that, sorry. Do you think that as communication professionals in organisations, and based on the research from CIPR, that communicators probably don't pay as much attention to the role that they have in culture than than they should do? Yeah, I would say that, probably don't and I think it's an unintended consequence of communication Mm. so I think that 
if I again thinking about the work that I've been doing kind of most recently, and I'm and I might be looking at a communication that's that's going out inside an organisation and offering some advice on how we might change that. There might be words and phrases in there that to the communicator they're absolutely fine, but as an outsider, I want to just check that that that's okay because they're jarring slightly for me. But it might be that that's culturally okay, but by using this word, this is what it implies. Mm-hmm. And then you're having conversations about, oh, okay, I hadn't, hadn't really thought about that. So if I've got something in a communication that says, you know, we had this really great event and the CEO said it was the best event ever, then is that reinforcing a narrative that we have to get approval from the CEO for everything and that if the CEO likes it, then we're all good. But if the CEO, do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's, it's what does that really say? Mm-hmm. And if you do lots of those little things, what do they add up to? And I think that that's sometimes what we don't, we don't realise. And that's why it's really important to me that if you are running a communication function or you are the communication function, because it might not be huge, that you are looking at all of the different ways that you're communicating with employees and being very intentional and very considered about that. Communication isn't about doing events. It isn't about publishing a newsletter. It's about all of the different ways people can communicate and engage across an organisation. And I think you do have to get underneath that a bit as a communication professional. And that's why when we always talk about professional development and all those things, it's really important because... Mm -hmm doing a tick box exercise of sending something out will have an unintended consequence. And this mm. brings us back to our previous episode about that it's not my job to get involved in mm. that. Yeah. You know, well, if you're in the business of, of of cultivating the culture of this organization, then it absolutely is. You know, yeah. you can't you can't not get involved in that. Yeah. 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 I just I do find it fast I do find it fascinating when people are like not my job. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's strange. <laughs> I've been asked to do this, I'm doing it. Like but I think, you know, you're you're so right about this. I feel like we have fallen into this world and we in the sense of the communications industry of not questioning or being curious enough about why certain things are being asked and not channeling our own belief system about why certain things are happening. And I think that's the danger. And there are always consequences for the messaging that goes out, either through the tone of that blog that leader is sending out, the messages you're putting in that newsletter, the video, even in an event, if you are doing events, you know, we do have we should, I should say, question the purpose of everything that we're yeah. trying to do. Yeah. Because that does drive culture. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, you know, you mention communications and the relationship um, between it and culture. But, but that's one of the most beneficial places I've worked in or worked very closely to was strategy. Yeah. So I remember um, having to do a, a quite a large piece of work with a strategy director um, and we worked through, at the time we were talking about the priorities of the company, they were just refreshing some of those and so on. And we had um, perhaps what I would call the most, it made the most sense. Yeah. You, know, you kind of <laughs> sat there with this person and I fully understood what he was doing. He fully understood how communication could help him to achieve what he need to achieve, needed to achieve with the, with the strategy. And if you then included culture in that mix then that's where I think we are, We, in a sense, we're, I know that many times, again, there's a lot of argument about where communications get reported into. Um, and it's very rare that you see communications reporting into strategy. But I do think that having actually been in there, that that was probably the most beneficial mm-hmm. place. And if, we, if we're absent 
from the mix. And, and when I say that, I mean, absent from the formulation of some of these things, because this is always our problem. If it's a change program and we're included later, it's a nice, it's an issue. You need to be there from the very beginning. Um, and it's the same thing with things like culture and setting strategy. If mm. we're, if we're there in the beginning, if comms people are, are right in the center of it from when it's being formulated, then their best place to come up with the best messages, understand fully what they can and can't say, even understanding the point of, well, how do we make sure that that tone of voice that comes from culture, you know, we, we have a culture, we have, we have values, we have a tone of voice as a result of that. And because of that, this is how we're going to communicate things going forward. And if we're in that, if, if, you know, if, if that's the position, then, you know, I think it's far more powerful mm. than just sat there saying, I, it's not my job. And as a, not to go down the rabbit hole of the comms function, but, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think there is something just to point out here, which is this is why I think it's so important to determine the purpose of the communication function mm. in your organisation. Because for me, it should be around um, that alignment piece across the organisation, which is why it naturally, in my mind, says, oh, it's strategy and culture together and then communications would sit in there. But if your purpose as a function is something else, then maybe sitting in HR would be better. So there's no, not necessarily a right or wrong, but it's being very clear about what the purpose is of your function mm. in order to make sure that you are sat in the right place to deliver what is right for the organisation. Yeah, about having the conversation. It is about having the conversation. <laughs> it is. <laughs> so it's, many links to so many other episodes. It really is. And I think this is, that's the key. I it's think as if we planned it. <laughs> no. I think that's a danger. I think we are often hitting the ground running in many of these organisations. There's often lots of things going on that nobody can really make sense of why that is happening and nobody really questions it and mm -hmm. that's the culture bit again isn't it like to the point of that um the culture code book again that's st that statement you read out the quote it is about can we challenge properly to yeah. deliver results and is it safe enough for us to mm -hmm. do that and I will always talk about psychological safety when it comes to culture because it is a big part of culture mm -hmm. because if you don't have a safe environment where you can thrive and you can talk about um, things that you may think you can do better and be more innovative, then the, the culture will be a bit broken and mm -hmm. toxic and mm -hmm. stuff. And people may be happy, but are they doing the job that they need to do? Mm -hmm. So that's a, I think that's a really important point, which leads us quite nicely <laughs> da, 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 into advice and guidance. I suppose what I would love our listeners to kind of get out from this section of the, of the episode is if they have seen and are witnessing a culture that is broken or isn't aligning with what the what the values are or the behaviours are of the organisation, how do you even start that conversation? You know, because if it is sitting with HR, which often it is, or it's sitting with nobody really and it's just kind of whatever, mm. as a communications professional, as a business leader, as an operation, whoever's listening to this podcast, how do, and regardless of what level you are as well, how do we start that conversation in, in an organisation uh, about culture? How do we start getting people used to talking and observing and, and listening? So, Trudy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm going to start it with a, with a quote that I found from uh, Daniel Coyle's book, The Culture mm -hmm. Code. He says, culture is a set of living relationships working towards a shared goal. It's not something you are, it's something you do. And so for me, I just wanted to point back to the fact that it is everybody's responsibility. So, almost, you know, a nod to what you just said, 
we have to find ways to involve everybody in culture. So if you are working on culture, you're developing your culture across the organization, you're adjusting how things are, find ways and creative ways to involve everybody in the process and finding out what everybody else needs. I mean, you, you won't be able to create the perfect culture. It has to align to your strategy. It has to align to the things that are important to you. But without people, without the relationship element of it, um, then, you know, that causes a problem. I remember with that report that we did, um, the impact and, inf- and, and value of internal comms, uh, one of the big things that came out of it was relationship, was the need to build rapport with leadership was the lead to, to have that connection going. And so with all of that, I think a really huge part for me is about develop relationships, mm-hmm. get people involved in the culture. And and I think within an organization, consider where you where you place these projects and where you place this function, if it is to be a function. You know, stop thinking of it as a project that starts and stops. And that you that you, you know, you can say, yeah, we've done that. Uh, think of it as something that's continuous and that needs to grow and develop and um, and, and, and actually be embedded within the organisation. Mm, great. Jenny? So my tips would come back to the field model, which I sort of devised in order to help organisations be less chaotic and it, it ends up going into a lot of sort of culture space. But I suppose for me, if you're looking at culture or you're seeing that there's a bit of a misalignment or you're seeing that things aren't, you know, we say this thing, but we're doing something else you've identified the symptoms, which is where we always start. So if you've seen the symptoms and you can identify those, you have to get to the root cause of them. And depending on the size of your organisation, that will depend on how you would diagnose the root cause of those. So it might be one-to-one interviews, it might be focus groups, but it's having conversations, which is a big part of being able to get underneath it. And in those conversations, it's asking different questions that help you explore whether people know the vision, the strategy, what's it like to work here? What are the communication challenges? Do you trust people? You kind of have all of these conversations and then you can start to look at, okay, what are the things that are going on that are contributing to this? And there will be certain things that often come up. Leadership will be in there. (laughs) Strategy (laughs) will be in there. Um, But it's important to take the time to ask the questions and have the conversations. So if you're seeing this, and you don't want to create a project or anything like that because you want to to make it a bit more fluid than that, then just get a set of questions and start having some conversations and ask people about what they're seeing and why they think that's happening and their own reflections on it. Asking them to reflect on how they might be contributing to that. So if there is people saying they don't feel that they can speak up to your example of psychological safety... I don't feel like I can speak up here or I'm, you know, there's a bit of a, a culture of fear and, and this sort of stuff, then we have to ask the questions about where that's coming from. Mm. So can you know, can you can you think about where why you why you feel like that? Is there anything that's happened that that's led you to to get there? And then you can start to sort of unpick and address it. But I think unless you're gonna stop and and do that verification and get to the root cause, you're just going to be treating the symptoms, which is always something mm. I would and we would all advocate against mm-hmm. because if you just treat the symptoms, it's not going to fix the long term. So that's where I would really start mm-hmm. because, and, and it has to also start with the leadership team. Mm. And that's yeah, that's tricky depending on what level you're, you're at and where you are in the organisation. But there has to be conversations with the leadership team if there is a misalignment between what's being said about the culture and what's being witnessed and what's actually happening. Mm. 
really good. And I, I and I, I do think it is, and I've seen so many people trying to address it in such on the symptoms rather yeah. than that rather than the bigger picture. And it is all about again going back to that conversation with the leadership team in terms of what is it that we're trying to do here. Yeah. And I know we made a bit of a, you know, a, a kind of roll my eyes around the whole happiness thing. But genuinely, if your organization and people are happy and they are delivering and that is your culture, then fine. But, you know, you it, you can't, can't, can't keep throwing ping pong tables, for example, or free fruit in the kitchen and sleep pods and all that kind of jazz if your people are not not delivering what they need to deliver yeah. in the way they need to deliver. Yeah. And I think a lot of people fall into that a little bit. And I've seen that myself. I've visited so many different offices because my leader has heard that this office environment is important. It's great and it looks brilliant. And we go and we're wowed by it all. Like everyone's like, oh, this is incredible. I've got a slide taking us from floor four, four to one and all that. But when you actually... No good can come from going down no, a slide. No. In a hot day, no. there's, there's nothing good Honestly, about that. Honestly, it's not. Just get stuck halfway down. I'd be like that. Oh, someone get had, me off the slide. I had a vision of that happening. <laughs> But that's, you know, you see those kind of fun, enjoyment things which are important in a work context, don't get me wrong. But when you dig a bit deeper and ask questions, this is why my kind of advice is, to your point, ask the questions. Mm. Doesn't matter what level you are in an organisation, ask people, like, can you raise concerns? Or if you have an idea, what do you do? Yeah. And how do you feel when you walk into a room with, with certain people and certain behaviours? You know, how does that make you feel and those conversations can and this is so powerful in helping us understand actually is that ping pong table or bean bag or whatever the thing is helping drive a very positive culture here that's helping people achieve the mission and the vision and the purpose of what we're doing and in my experience when I've actually dug a bit deeper so I had a friend I'm not going to name the organization but I had a friend who actually worked in this organization that had these incredible uh, symbols around culture, you know, to demonstrate that we really care about our people. We're really important. Mental, mental health and uh, well-being is very important to us. And when I spoke with her about, oh, I went to one of your offices. It looks incredible. She's like, hmm, it's interesting. She said, because what I found in that was I was pressured to deliver continuously. And if I wanted to do something like go outside and get different food that wasn't in the canteen, I was told, well, we've got a canteen. Mm. And if I wanted yeah. fresh air, I was told, well, we've got a rooftop terrace. Yeah. So why do you want to go outside? Like, and she said, it was like, it was, it was almost like a, you are expected to be in this place of work 18 hour days. Yeah. Because <laughs> we're giving you everything that you need. <laughs> and it, it was made, like a cult. <laughs> it was, it was almost that's a what, bit. That's what made, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's yeah. almost a bit like that. She said it became a little bit so claustrophobic that people thought that this was a great thing. But in fact, people were really overwhelmed and claustrophobic about what was going on, which damaged that positive intent that the leadership team had in rather because they didn't speak to the people. Yeah. They just kept saying, well, we've given you this and we've got this and you've got that. Rather than thinking of the, to your point, that's, you're trying to fix a symptom there, which isn't mm, helpful. Yeah. yeah. Or you're trying to fix a problem that doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Which is quite often the case in some places. Yeah. Is, is, is this really something that needs to be fixed or are yeah. we just spending time? Well, it's about control, else. isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, I am setting up an environment so that I can control my people. That is not developing culture, no. is it? So it's, a, it's the perception of culture, but it's not really culture when, you, when it comes right down to it. I think there's also something about 
not the complexity of it, but I think it's coming back to what is it you're trying to achieve with your culture. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's that's something else to think about in yeah. terms of what what's the out you know what's the outcome you're yeah. looking for. <laughs> but it is a bit of that, and I, I've. I've just picked up the um, Culture Code book again because there's a really good example in here about team cohesion and mm-hmm. sort of what what makes a team work really well together. And there is a study that was done uh, and it, it was done by Alan. So there's the Alan curve and uh, and the insight was looking at what is it about this team that makes it work very well. And the only thing that played a meaningful role was the distance between their desks. Wow. And that's fascinating to me yeah. that there is, it's not, you know, they all went to this school or they achieved these grades yeah. or these people. It's about communication mm. and it's about how close they sit together, <laughs> which is interesting on the back of a pandemic where suddenly everybody's not working together yeah. and how maybe uncohesive some teams are starting to feel. Mm. So I think it's it's also thinking about what is it we're trying to achieve? You know, is it about working together, being more collaborative? Like what... What is it that we want that culture to be? And yeah. that's why for me, it does sit with the strategy function because it has to support the outcome of the organisation. Yeah. Mm. And that's so important. Yeah. If you don't know what the outcome of the... Because there will be some cultures, like to your point right at the start of this conversation, that you will not thrive in. Yeah. yeah. You just won't. And if it is an organisation that needs to deliver certain things in a certain way and it's quite strict in the way they do that, then the culture is going to be very different mm. than those cultures which are a little bit more fluid yeah. and agile. But you need to be able to identify that when you're going through the process because yeah. it's quite clear what that culture is like. And when the challenges happen is when it's not clear or they pretend to be something they are not. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's- and that's your internal, external yeah. alignment and all of that, isn't yeah. it? God, it's so... And I think the more we talk about it, as much as we'll say, there's, there's some things that you can break down and they're quite simple, mm. but there's lots of different yeah. component parts here that... We've talked a lot in this season around about things, about being more intentional and getting into the depth (laughs) of things like trust and credibility. And it's the same with culture is get a bit deeper. Don't just give it to a project team. Well, it is, I think... I think it's one of those things that you're a bit scared to get deeper into because yeah. it's so big. And, you know, most of the times I've dealt with it within an organization, it has been unwieldy. You're, yeah. You know, you start going into it and because there's no definition and, you know, we're not, we haven't got clear objectives and outcomes, you end up with this massive amount of confusion yeah. about how we're going to set culture. But you know what's really funny as well? When you go to the bigger organisations, you go into one department and it's so different. Yeah. yeah. The feel, like everything feels very different and it just feels either comfortable or uncomfortable depending mm. on, on who you are. And then you go to a different part and you're like, this is weird. Like, it's totally And it's the same organisation. Yeah. And, and you hear, you already hear it, right? So I hear, you, and we hear it through our clients where people are like, oh, I can, I can, I've got a very flexible working pattern. Yeah in how I work here. So I can come in whenever I want, I can leave when I want, as long as I get my job done, my boss doesn't care. Then you speak to a colleague of theirs in a different department, they're like, oh my God, it's really strict. I've yeah. been at this time yeah, yeah, and I have to lock yeah. my hours and I have to say where I've been. And that, people, this is the problem because the leadership team haven't, haven't yeah. connected and there's no cohesion in what they're doing. So you've got this brokered myth. So if, yeah. you're, if I'm speaking to Terry, who's working in this very agile environment, and it's like, you have to come and work, in this organisation, mm-hmm. it'll work really well with your, you know, your lifestyle and all that. And then you're like, oh yeah, this sounds great. And you go and you get interviewed by people like that. Then you're in a team that is so different from what mm. you were sold. And all of a sudden, like, what is the culture of this place? Like, what is going on here? It's yeah. so, and it, I would say that is more common than it is rare. <laughs> well, it is. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's about, you know, you've got policies in place that are supposed to be across the whole organisation and because of how some leaders within their department want to handle that policy, 
back to your point, it's oh, we don't do flexibility here because it doesn't work for me because I like to micromanage my people or something like yeah. that and and so on. So it's very, very different. So when you when you then look at how you have a consistent culture, you can't because you've got people driving the culture that they want based on how they think that things but should work. You've also got to be mindful that you don't, create a robotic culture by everything being the no. same. There has to be Well, no, there has to be some ways. nuances. But the, as a leader, I want to lead my team in the way that's right and but authentic. You've got be, yeah, but yeah. you've got to do it within the context of you have, the culture. Yes, but uh, but in order for me to thrive in that organisation as a leader, I should be aligned to that culture yeah. anyway. And maybe that's part of the issue is recruiting people that maybe aren't aligned with the culture and add to that culture yeah. in a way that's complimentary. Oh, God, we could, or, be, here. We could now, be here for days. Or starting from... <laughs> One more, one more. <laughs> or, or starting from the leadership team yeah, and getting them totally understanding what it is you're trying to achieve and yeah. what you want that culture, need that culture to be for that organisation. Which takes time. Yeah. And it's it time takes that leadership time. teams will say, I don't have the time to do that. Yeah, but if you don't get that cohesion, yeah. then the rest of it can't yeah. happen. Yeah. Then it all goes back down to fairness and yeah. quality and <laughs> And there's a whole other episode. <laughs> Days, beer for days. <laughs> we can fix it. We can fix it. Thank you for listening. If you want to find out more or subscribe to our newsletter, visit camedgerebels.com. We'd love to continue this conversation, so please connect, ask questions, and share your thinking with us. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, under Calm Edge Rebels. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to rate and review us.